At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. We continue to talk with some of the best minds when it comes to mock drafts today. We're taking a slightly different route. We've talked to a lot of the experts who try and get their mock draft right as a reporter, I would say. They're people that are trying to nail it on draft night based off their conversations with the decision makers. Tonight we're going to talk to someone who is a decision maker himself. Paul Biancardi, you see him all the time on ESPN uh, as a college basketball analyst as well as an NBA draft analyst. He's also the recruiting director and in charge of the ESPN 100, those recruiting rankings. So about a year in many cases before these players end up on mock draft boards they end up on his board and more often than not you see the names at the top on both those lists so he's very good at what he does obviously we are still uh, in the part of the year where we can't talk about too many specific players but we can definitely go talk to him about what goes in to evaluating players making it onto his ESPN 100 as well as the top of NBA draft board so we're excited to have him along without further ado let's welcome Paul Biancardi of ESPN here to the Hornets Hivecast Paul my friend thanks for joining us hey sam it's great to be back with you on the microphone i'm thrilled about it for those that don't know I, paul and i way before i was here with the hornets he was so kind to me showing me the ropes when i was working at espn uh, one of the great analysts in the game you do have the eye for this that that we're looking for here as we try and dissect this draft class here for the 2023 nba draft now just days away because we've talked to a lot of great basketball minds and people that put together mock drafts here here. 
over the last couple of weeks, but most of them approach it from a reporter's standpoint. You come at it as a former coach, a current coach in many respects. You still do a lot of coaching around the country, but you're there evaluating them as players, almost as if, and granted, you do it at a different level because you're getting them going from high school into college primarily, but you're still doing the same thing. You're evaluating talent, trying to judge who is going to be the best. So we're excited to have you here so you can give us your take on the talent level of this class. But talk about that dynamic here, because again, when we read a lot of mock drafts, You see people that are reporters. They're trying to figure out what the teams will do. And I view you as an evaluator, much like Mitch Kupchak and all the general managers and decision makers across the league. It's my opinion or my understanding that you're looking at these decisions based off what you would do. Am I correct? Yes, that that is correct. And as you know, and we work together, I do the high school rankings for ESPN. So it's not a mock draft. It's not a draft board. It's a high school rankings board which incorporates NBA draft potential at the very end. So when I'm ranking players, I'm looking at what their current performances are like, you know, how they impact the high school game, who they play against, and do they dominate the high school game, not just impact, but dominate, because I'm looking for the best players. And then, of course, I'm looking at all the scouting markers, uh, the physical measurables, uh, the skills with the ball in their hands, the off-ball skills. Uh, rebounding and defense. I'm looking at basketball IQ and I'm looking at character traits. I'm, I'm going below the surface to find out who they are as people. So I put that all together to come into a high school rankings board that incorporates what they do in high school, what their potential will be in the college game. And, and I base on college, I base four years. Now we know a lot of kids leave early, but I'm looking at each player as if they were going to stay in college for multiple years or four years. And then lastly, Sam, okay, where can they be drafted in the NBA circles? Uh, Second-round pick, first-round pick, lottery pick, maybe not drafted. And that's where my board stops because I don't know anybody who knows if somebody's going to be a good or a bad NBA player, uh, but we do have a good idea as they become seniors in high school, especially towards the tail end as we hit the McDonald's game and the Nike Hoop Summit uh, when the NBA starts to lay their eyes on these guys we have an idea of what their draft projection will be. So it's a combination, it's a blend of all three. You've been doing this for a long time. As a coach, you were the Horizon League Coach of the Year at Wright State, so you've been in the recruiting, the evaluating game for a long time. And as a coach, you had to make decisions on 17, 18, 19-year-olds, as you mentioned, projecting where they were likely going to be 20, 21, 22. Can they make an immediate impact? What will their long-term impact be? But you had it within college. Now you've got general managers looking at the exact same age groups that you you were back as a college head coach, but trying to figure out how they'll work on the NBA level. How much harder has the job become over the years as the pool of draft prospects has gotten younger here? Well, it's gotten a lot younger, and, and it makes it difficult because now kids can go from high school to college. Uh, kids can go the professional route uh, to the G League. Kids can go to overtime elite, which, which is another platform. And then obviously you have the international kids, which We don't scout the international players for the high school game. Uh, We're only ranking, scouting, and evaluating kids that play in the U.S. But it has gotten down uh, to the high school game real quick, and a lot of kids are reclassifying up, which means if they're going to be seniors in high school, we'll say, in September, 
some of these guys will just reclassify, graduate early, go to their school of choice, and hopefully in their mind play one year and try to get out. So a lot of the top players are trying to get to the NBA faster and quicker uh, because they feel like they can obviously play at that level. And then once they have a successful first contract, they're looking for that big paycheck. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Paul Biancardi, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast. You can follow him on Twitter at Paul Biancardi. See him all over ESPN. He is their recruiting director for the ESPN 100. Also does a lot of NBA draft analysis and uh, works a lot with uh, the upcoming, the future of the game uh, throughout the coaching circles. We talked about how the evaluation process has changed quite a bit and what we've done over this series of conversations with mock draft experts. We've kind of gone back to their most recent mock drafts compared to what actually happened in the NBA and ask them how, how they felt they did. For you, I, I want to do it in a, a slightly different way because, as you mentioned, you put together the ESPN 100, which is the master list of college recruiting. So I wanted to go not back to the 2022 mock draft, but your 2021 ESPN 100 and compare it to the NBA draft. And this is why you're so good at what you do because all of these names are very recognizable. So you had number one in that 2021 class was Chet Holmgren went number two overall in the 2022 draft. Number two was Jaden Hardy. He ended up going more of the G League route uh, and then was eventually drafted 37th overall, a second round pick in 2022. Amani Bates is in this year's draft pool. Uh, he was third in your recruiting list, had a, a little bit longer route when it came to his college ball, but uh, eventually is still considered to be a pro prospect. The number one pick from the 2022 draft, Paolo Bancaro, you had number four on your 2021 ESPN 100. Then Patrick Baldwin Jr., who was a first-round pick, 28th overall in last year's draft. Jabari Smith, the top three selection, many people's number one heading into draft night. You had him number six on your board. Then Jalen Duran, who went uh, in the top 15. He was a lottery pick. You had him number 7. Mark Williams, the Hornets eventual pick at 15. He was in your 2020 class at number 32. And Bryce McGowan's the second round selection of the Hornets. You had him 26th in the 2021 class. So all those numbers are out there. Uh, you had a lot of guys, all the top guys from the 2022 draft were in your top 5 in or top 6 I should say in your 2021 ESPN 100. So you definitely have the eye for talent but as you look back now at your ESPN 100 from that year compared to how it shook out in the draft? How do you think you did? Well, again, it's not a mock draft. And so anybody that's in the rankings to try to put perspective on it, think about this. There is roughly every year about 400,000 high school players, 100,000 of which are seniors. A thousand of those 100,000 go play division one basketball. And out of that thousand, I'm trying to rank a hundred players. If you start breaking down the math, Anybody who's ranked in the top 100, that's one-tenth of one percent of the Division I players. I mean, it's crazy to think about how talented this group is. So it can fluctuate on the draft board. Um, and, again, I'm doing it by what I've seen in high school, how they project 
to college, and then what's their projection going to be in the NBA? And a couple of those guys you mentioned, you mentioned Imani Bates, you, you talked about the long, uh, unfortunate route that he's taken to get in the NBA, and then Patrick Baldwin, you know, he slipped down, still a first-round pick, which, which is incredible. Uh, but those two guys probably have slid down a little bit further than expected. Uh, now, Jaden Hardy, he's become a terrific NBA player, just starting to shine right now with the Mavericks. I expected his draft slot to be a little bit higher than it was. So that's the one guy I was kind of surprised at. It's not all that shocking to see the movement because you are grading them when they're 17, 18-year-olds and trying to project, and, and you, of course, have to leave room for players to have their own individual improvement or have growth spurts or growth in their game that it's not a linear thing. Not everyone's on the exact same timeline. So with that in mind, how realistic is it really to expect general managers, I mean, they are, that's the job, but to expect everyone to have the kind of hitting percentage that, say, a Mitch Kupchak has every time he's drafted in the top 10, he has found an all-star. How rare is that when you're trying to project 18-year-olds at the time they're being drafted? It's exceptionally hard, and I think Mitch and Buzz do a tremendous job of not just evaluating the, the basketball player, but evaluating the person. And, and I think that's where you win the game. Uh, it, you know, the, the draft game, everybody can see the talent. Everybody knows the talent. People value talent differently. But at the end of the day, if, if the character traits don't match uh, the talent level, it's going to be hard for that prospect to reach his full potential. I, I, I've always said that your character can protect and enhance your talent. And when you look at some of the draft picks the Hornets have had in the second round and in the first round, they've been really good guys with Mitch Kupchak, so they, they've reached their potential and maybe a little bit more or they're on their way to do that. And, and so I think that's the key to the evaluation process, whether you're a college coach or an NBA general manager. I've tried to give some outs as to why it's hard to do this job when you're evaluating 18- and 19-year-olds. But then again, this is the, the life we're in right now, the era we're in, in terms of when players are going to the NBA. And quite frankly, when you look at the top of the draft, the success rate is still extraordinarily high. When you see a number one pick, they still are overwhelmingly all-stars come four or five years into the NBA. Slightly lesser rate, but similar one when you're looking at top three picks. And if you're in the lottery, you have a pretty good track record of the guys with the all-star talent flowing to that part of the draft. So what what is it about this age group that you see in certain players that makes it clear to you, as well as general managers all across the NBA, that these truly are the best prospects in the game and the ones most likely to lead franchises in the future? Well, once they start checking the athleticism box, the skill box, the upside box, then I start to look at productivity. You know, what do they do on a regular basis? Because I believe you are what you repeatedly do. What your habits do is what you are. So I, I'm looking at productivity and potential. A lot of people look at the game strictly through the eyes of, okay, this is what he could be two or three years down the road. Or some people will say, well, this is what he is, and this is what he can do all the time, and, and they don't see the future. So I try to combine the productivity, the now, with the future and to try to assess where I think these kids can be. And then you have to just study these guys, their tendencies, playing the highest level of competition. That's where you can really see what they have a chance to be down the road and, and how dominating or how impactful they can be at the highest level when they, when they do it against their peers at the high school game. And you understand, or I understand, 
I have an eye that's trained for the college game because that's where I spent most of my life. And I know that the college game and the pro game are different, but if you're going to play at a Kentucky and a Duke and a North Carolina, I mean, you have a chance. And if you're a ranked player, you have an opportunity maybe to play at the next level. So a lot of where these kids go and a lot of where they get ranked sometimes determines their future along with their character traits. But then you see a lot of guys that weren't ranked, as we know, and that still make it to the NBA, and people say, well, how did that happen? Well, they were late bloomers. Uh, they, may, they may have grown. They might have spent four years in college and passed other people. They have tremendous character traits. Uh, I look at uh, Grant Williams, who's right here in Charlotte, and what he did uh, coming out of high school. He wasn't a ranked player, but he was graded out as a high major prospect. Went to Tennessee, dominated the landscape in the SEC. Celtics drafted him. And, and he's been a valuable player in the NBA for the Celtics. So you, you don't have to be a ranked player, but usually when you're a ranked player, you have a lot of the markers, a lot of the boxes that have been checked. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Paul Biancardi, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast. You can see him all over ESPN, the recruiting director for the ESPN 100 covering college basketball and the NBA as well. Paul, when we're talking about the number two pick, you talked about how sometimes you'll get someone who is a late bloomer, a bit of a surprise player, maybe coming from slightly off the circuit, but making a run up draft boards, recruiting boards, whatever it is at that particular time. Number two picks, they tend not to sneak up on people. So what is the criteria in terms of who should be in the running for a number two pick in terms of the immediate and long-term impact that can be expected? Well, you have to bet on that whoever you draft at number two is, is going to be an impact player for you over the course of time. Someone who will be a starter and then has a chance to be an all-star in the NBA. I, I think that's what you're looking at when you look at the number two pick in the draft. I mean, it's not that far from the number one pick, although this year it's a little different with the choices. But when you look at number two, I think you're looking at someone who's going to come in to your franchise and be a starter, a contribute, impact at times. You have to go through the growing pains of your first year and sometimes your second year. But if that third year, that, that, that player should really have an opportunity to do very well. And on the flip side, Sam, you don't see a lot of players under the age of you know, 23 that really impact good teams. They, the, the ones that do, they impact teams that don't make the playoffs. I mean, looking at the NBA playoffs right now with Denver, Miami, and Boston, uh, there's not that many uh, that impact under the age of 23, usually unless they're you know, a superstar like a Jason Tatum. Quite frankly, they don't always impact the college game either. I was saving this for later, but you know, you look at the most recent Final Four. Uh, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic were both in the Final Four. Uh, not traditional high major programs that are accustomed to being there. And then the ones that are from bigger conferences, UConn and Miami, neither of them had a player in your 2022 class top 50. And yet all of them have certain through lines, uh, a lot of great veteran leaders and players that were maybe able to overcome uh, some of the 
truly, truly high top-end talent deficiencies they might have had compared to a squad that did have someone that was in your top five. So what does that say about the immediate impact that can be expected when you look at the college game and, as you mentioned, older players, older teams uh, that had time to, to work together in most cases, and they made it to the top of the NCAA's Final Four, and then you look in the NBA, and again, same thing that you mentioned. You've got older teams with older players that have made those runs, not necessarily guys who were drafted in the last year or two in the top two or three. Yeah, I think when you're drafting, especially in the late first round and second round for sure, I think you're looking for maturity. I think you're looking for older guys, and you can point to their metrics and their analytics and say, okay, this is what he's going to do for us. And, and I think that's important to a lot of NBA teams that, that are drafting late because they need people that are going to help their locker room, not hurt it. And somebody who's going to come in as a, as a role player for a few minutes and, and give the team something that it needs to back up somebody else. And so when you spent four years in college and you've had a chance to you know, play at the highest level, maybe compete in the NCAA tournament on that big stage, and there's a lot of growth that goes on, Sam, you know, between – you know, April and September of the off season, and people don't see that. They they see what goes on during the season. But when you're looking at three and four year guys that have been to the Elite Eight, Final Fours, or they've won a conference tournament, uh, they they've had a chance to really grow and develop. Maybe physically grow, emotionally grow, or their skill. They've just they've done so much work on their game that they've passed other people. You know, I, I think of the young kids um, out in Iowa, Murray, who's in the NBA now. Well, coming out of high school with three-star players, which means mid-major-plus type players, you know, teams that maybe you wouldn't expect a high majors to recruit them, the power, major power conference schools, but uh, maybe a tad below that. Iowa had great eye for an evaluation, worked their tail off, already in the NBA doing extremely well, and he was a high lottery pick because they worked on their skill level and they already had the physical measurables in size. You touched on briefly what a number two pick should be, someone who is uh, an all-star multiple times over and a franchise leader maybe a few years into their career when they start making those all-star teams, but that's the kind of talent that you should expect. Uh, I think in terms of covering drafts, it seems like people fall into a cycle. They tend to look for the number one, and then they look for the top three, and they they build levels to the draft. But different years, uh, those levels mean different things. Sometimes uh, the top three guys are all all those franchise-leading all-star talents, and sometimes there's much more than three. When you look at the 2023 class in particular, how many of those types of players are there? I, I would imagine, based off what I've been hearing, talking to all the different evaluators out there, that it's a lot longer list than just three guys that have the ability to be multiple-time all-stars in their NBA careers. Yeah, that's that's a major statement. I don't look at this class as particularly strong. I mean, you always judge, I think, a draft class by what it is at the very top. I, I think it's a strong draft. It's, it's not the draft that you, you spoke about with Chet Holmgren and company and even the one with Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and, and those guys. That was, that was a tremendous draft. I can't remember the year those guys came out, but uh, that draft class was really strong, as Chet's class was really strong, too. You look at uh, Bancaro was number one, Holmgren, Jamari Smith, uh, and a lot of other guys. I think this is a strong class, and I, I would say if you're looking at guys that are going to be all-stars in this, uh, I'm going to guess in the 10 to 12 range. Um, I like to be a little bit more conservative than most people because 
just my experience of coaching and, and, and being around the NBA game on the draft boards and, and talking to coaches, as you know from covering the game, it's hard to be an NBA all-star. Look, it's hard to be an NBA player, period, uh, then to move into a starting role and then to make that elite uh, NBA all-star game. So I'm going to say maybe 10 to 12 guys. What is the top level, the top candidate pool of the 2023 NBA draft? Well, in my mind, there's only two guys in mind, and that's Scoot Henderson, uh, came from the G League Ignite, and Brandon Miller out of Alabama, the freshman. Uh, he was in the ESPN Top 100. He was a top 10 player in the class. He really emerged his senior year. Didn't hear much about Brandon Miller in his first and second year. He really came on as a junior in high school. Uh, Scoot Henderson was a five-star prospect. That's the highest ranking on the board in terms of stars. Uh, before he went to the G League. So those are the two guys, in my opinion, that are best suited for number two in the draft. He's the great Paul Biancardi. You can see him on ESPN. He's their recruiting director for college basketball as well as an NBA draft analyst. And it's our pleasure, as always, to have him here on the Hornets Hivecast. In fact, so much so, we've talked a little bit here about the number two pick. we got a lot more picks coming up in the draft for the Hornets. What do you say we have you back later in the week here and do this again, Paul? Oh, Sam, that would be great. Look forward to it. Thank you. All right, he's committed. Paul Biancardi will be back with us later this week. We'll talk more about the 2023 NBA Draft. Fast approaching. It'll be on June 22nd, and there will be plenty to talk about at Spectrum Center as well. So we look forward to seeing you here on draft night. And, of course, for the 2023 NBA season, make sure you have your tickets. Go to Hornets.com for more information. For Paul Biancardi and my producer, Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We will talk to you next time with more mock draft coverage right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.